So Vikas is our next, and he'll be talking on uh, emerging risks. And every time I hear the word emerging risk, I think about that quote from Donald, I think it's Donald Rumsfeld, about the known knowns and the known unknowns and the unknown unknowns. So Vikas, I think he'll probably be talking about the unknown unknowns. Um, yeah, I think we're running short on time. Vikas, he sent me his bio like, but um, he's the CRO uh, of Olo currently. And, uh, He's an XG and we're excited to hear what you've got to say. Thank you. Thank you. Morning, uh, morning everybody. So we are running a bit late. For the record, it's not my fault. I just got here. Um, so I had a similar experience in, in framing the theme of this presentation because I made the fatal mistake on the ERM email distribution, or email in an email conversation to throw out and said, hey, we could possibly talk about emerging risk, and the next thing I know, it's in the agenda with a, with a topic attached to it. So I managed to change the topic, but I couldn't get out of it. Uh, but Donovan's been doing a stellar job out of, out of Oz, and I believe he had a, they had a baby on Friday, so I thought I wouldn't drop him and actually follow through on this. I haven't done this before. Um, it's a bit of a work in progress. So it's like a bit like Sanson's. It's a bit half-baked. Um, but um, I thought I'd just share, I think, some ideas. This is an area that I'm quite interested in. And I, and I think as sort of head of the risk role, if you want to call it that, in quite a diverse group, um, emerging risk, I mean, you just get bombarded into your inbox with all these global trends and risks. And I find it really difficult to incorporate all of that thinking into the business and say, well, as CRO, what, how, what do I do with all this stuff and how do I bring it in? So today's really a bit about sharing that. But before we go into that, I, I would actually start off by saying that um, emerging risk is a, is a bit like John Rambo. It's complicated. <laughs> For those of you who don't know John Rambo, um, well, I'm actually speaking to the ones who know him. So... The scene, as in most of his movies, is as follows. He approaches a completely unsuspecting enemy prisoner camp, attacks them, he cuts the place up into threads, several spectacular explosions, and it ends up with him getting away with the highly decorated but injured army general along with his daughter who is now completely smitten. For the Vietnamese soldiers, they didn't see him coming. But was John Rambo a threat all along? Was he a risk or was he an emerging risk? There's three observations here. So although it felt that way because of his superior mudding skills and the stealth of a puma, he actually did not suddenly appear out of nowhere. There was always potential and possible leading indicators, even though they may have been hard to recognize. Because missing soldiers and birds going quiet should always be a warning sign if you're guarding a captured U.S. official. <laughs> Secondly, John Rambo is a product of an evolutionary process that took a long time to be realized. So he was a troubled and very misunderstood war veteran after all. And being a former member of an elite commando unit that served in the Vietnam War, the Viet Cong actually came across him many years ago, but he looked different, he was dressed, dressed different, and probably had fewer muscles at the time. And thirdly, John Rambo is the emergence of an unintended, set of con uh, an, an unintended consequence as a result of a complex interaction of multiple global forces, as we see them today, 
Um, the United Nations get involved, or in our world, the regulators. Governments get involved, our boards. The army gets involved, your business exco. Troops and medics, business units and control functions. So despite the fact that John Rambo was a bit of a surprise to the Viet Cong enemy camp, he was actually a risk all the way along. The question was, was he an actual risk or an emerging risk? And so I come back to the problem statement as illustrated by this uh, graphic from the World Economic Forum Global Risk Report on screen. I come back to the, the, the concept and the message that emerging risk is a complicated topic. But why is it complicated? Well, I think it comes down to two points. I think firstly, inherently, emerging risk is complicated. It's not always a single event. It's sometimes trends. We, it's the stuff we struggle to define. We think we know about it, but we possibly misunderstand it. Or it's maybe the stuff that we're not thinking about. All of this is very complicated. And secondly, it's complicated because it's hard for the risk function or the CRO, whoever's responsible for this thinking, if I can call it that, it's hard for them to bring it into the business conversation. Because what can you realistically tell business about what they know best about? And therefore, those two factors actually makes it quite a complicated topic um, for us to understand. And so the three things that I want to cover today, firstly, is just define the problem statement. And I've touched on it. What is emerging risk and why is it complicated? And I would like to spend time on this. And the reason for that is I think the solution on how we're bringing emerging risk thinking into our organizations as risk practitioners is different for each of our organizations. Your leadership styles, your cultures, your own way of working, the, the skills in your team. And so understanding some of the challenges and actually articulating them hopefully will be useful for you to latch onto some ideas and come up with your own solutions, even though the, the problem statement may be obvious to some extent. Um, secondly, I'll share some, some insights as to, my, I guess, my own thinking and, and what we're busy with at Hollard at the moment. And then thirdly, I'd love to invite comment, um, purely because I think it can be value-adding and purely because, as I said, I wasn't, it's the first time I'm doing this presentation, I've got no idea how long it's going to take. So, um, so hopefully um, we finish in time and we get some, some comments and feedback. So on the first item where I said the inherent complexity of emerging risk, um, so much like John Rambo, as I mentioned earlier, um, emerging risk is often something that evolves over time. It's a culmination of unintended consequences, and it's a result of an interaction of many different forces. Um, and the complexity of emerging risk, and, and there's many reports that you'll see, some of these and others, um, I've listed a few on screen of, of why emerging risk is so inherently complex. And I'm not going to go through all of them, but... If we just look at the first one, for example, I mean, emerging risk could be manifesting itself as a single event occurring. It could be a series of events or multiple events, or it could be a trend, something changing over time. So in other words, it could be anything from a satellite crashing on Earth or whatever remains of it, um, or it could be something like long-term climate change, which results as a, as, a, as a consequence of some other external factors, such as global warming. Believe that or not, I'm not making a case for it. Um, but the point is it could be anything, really. Um, and on the matter of, of satellites falling, actually, earlier this year, I don't know if this at all came onto your radar, um, the Russian space agency, Roscosmos, which is a really cool name, said on the 7th of May, Progress 59, which is the name of a Russian cargo ship which was headed into space, um, 
Progress 59 will cease to exist on Friday, which was the next day, um, because it was actually falling from space and approaching Earth. Um, but they said not to worry. Uh, we will actually release updates on the exact time of re-entry for the spacecraft. So it's obviously scientists jump onto that. And they said, well, they estimate that about between 20 and 40% of the spacecraft will actually survive the heat of re-entry into the atmosphere. But if, if you translate that into actual kilograms, it meant that around 700 and between 750 kilograms and one and a half tons of space debris will actually re-enter the atmosphere um, and will strike Earth. But then the scientists said, well, we, uh, and, and, and by the way, the, the most likely um, part of that would have been the, the docking mechanism, which was a 200-kilogram metal plate the size of a tractor wheel. So imagine that coming down on your house or your, or your office building. So the, but the scientists said, don't worry about this, because um, all of our estimates suggest that it is most likely to fall in the ocean, or it could be scattered over Africa or China. <laughs> all right, so... So that's like saying the Springboks are going to the World Cup. They will either fall out in the pool stage or they will win or they'll somewhere in the quarters or semis fall out. Um, and so this was a single event and this was actually an actual map released by the Aerospace Corporation to illustrate to people um, the time and the place of entry of the debris. In other words, we had no idea. All right? And this was a known event 24 hours before it actually happened, which again re-emphasizes the complexity of even a single event. Um, looking at some of the other points, so if we take the tipping point, for example, so I guess you can use that age-old age analogy of uh, the boiling frog. Um, I like to think of it differently in terms of steak. I like my steak medium rare, and your steak will be on its way to being perfectly cooked. It goes past that tipping point using the exact same process that was supposed to make it perfect that actually overcooks it. All right, so see that as an emerging risk. You can combine some of these, so past, present, and future, what you know, um, patterns, estimating impact, and you can, you can actually create a, a scenario which is quite plausible. Um, so you've been to the local grill maybe in Parktown North. Um, I've been three times and had a great steak, um, and I decided to go there for my 40th birthday. And um, what I don't know is that earlier this morning, that morning there was a gas leak. Now that gas leak's been fixed, the kitchen's all safe, but everything's sort of trailing behind. Um, the, the head chef's mom died the previous night, but he still rocked up for work because he's committed. Um, what I don't know is that they're planning for Maps Maponyani and his cronies to come tomorrow night to celebrate the release of his new movie, uh, Tell Me Sweet Something. So they're thinking about tomorrow night. And my waiter left his bipolar medicine on the taxi that morning. So I don't know how he's going to react, but I know nothing of this. So the question is, will my mother-in-law get the perfect steak she ordered so that she can finally update her will document to include me in that? <laughs> so I'm talking about a single event of a steak. This stuff is complex, ladies and gentlemen, and that's, I guess, the point that I'm trying to, to get across. So you move on from there, and you sit in your organization, and you say, well, how do we define emerging risk? And that's another thing. You look around, and I've seen so many different definitions, ranging from... Um, the perceived to be potentially a significant risk, but we don't fully understand it, the kind of known unknowns. Um, the not perceived at all, the completely unknown or unknown unknown. Um, is it large-scale events that we're focusing on when we're defining emerging risk, or are we talking about trends? Are we talking about new risks that's developing? In other words, stuff that didn't exist yesterday, 
Um, or are we talking about existing risks that just look and feel different tomorrow? Um, the way that we define this it can actually um, shape how we, how we create our universe of emerging risks. Um, are we defining them at company level, industry level, or maybe at a societal level? Um, are we calling emerging risk in our business black swans or strategic risks? I'm confused. I'm not sure, is this a strategic risk, operational risk, or is it an emerging risk? And these are the things that we actually have to get right um, as, a, as a risk function in the team to, to help to define it. Um, other areas is, um, when we talk about emerging risk, is it risk today or risk that's not yet, yet today, it's in somewhere in the future? And I think people, we get tied up with these, what I think are quite stupid arguments sometimes in business. Um, and you'll see later, in, and I think in some of the stuff that we're doing, that we, that, we, that we actually try and not get hung up about these things. But these are real challenges when you start to define what does emerging risk look like for your organization. Um, and then also, how far do you look into the future? Do you take a 12-month view, a 5-year view, a 10-year view? Um, we'll come back to this point, but I think alignment with how far your business looks into the future to do your strategic planning is, is, is imperative here. So then you say, okay, we've defined it. Let's get some information on emerging risk, and you do a quick Google search. So I did this a uh, couple of days ago, Friday last week, emerging risk report, and just zoomed out, and this is a, a picture view on Google. Um, and, I, and I think the point is, as you guys will all know, that there's so much out there that it's again, adds to the complexity. And there's reports on top risks, frameworks, how risks are connected, um, how to use data, use of analytics, use of bots, uh, trends analysis, keyword searches, modeling, trends, mega trends, uber trends, um, and all sorts of other things. So even a search into Google, I think, doesn't necessarily add to the, to, to, to the understanding of it, but actually adds to the complexity of it. And then you start to look into, I think, a bit more detail into some of those reports. And I think what you find is that you get very different angles, interpretations, and perspectives of it, which is interesting, but which can be derailing. So you have different bodies and organizations um, providing different reports because they've got different objectives. Um, fair enough. So I, I, I mentioned the World Economic um, Forum report, which is a great report, by the way. It gets published in January every year. Um, that's a fantastic report and, and global trends and, and risks and their interconnectivity. The World Bank does reports. Um, I think globally the reinsurers are quite strong at, at issuing emerging risk reports. Um, the consultants are ever-present in doing this. Um, and then you get the economists, who of course have accurately predicted 10 of the last six economic meltdowns. Um, so, all of these organizations and bodies have got different objectives. So, insightful but potentially confusing. You get um, emerging risk being phrased and positioned differently, risk versus opportunity. So, I think we're all familiar with the um, insurance and banking banana skins that's been running for, I don't know, 12, 14 years probably, um, which, which positions... Um, potentially emerging risk as, as, as risk per se, not as opportunity. Um, and then you get other reports, and there's another consultancy that issued a report recently around strategic risk and opportunity that talks to mega trends and how to make the most of your business, prevent your business from being disrupted, or be the disruptor yourself. So again, position differently. And these things all talk about the same things. Um, and then you get, of course, the different definitions and groupings and descriptions of drivers of change. So you get the steep drivers, um, mega trends, uh, as I said, uber trends, uh, pestle analysis, 
sonar analysis. Um, uh, another consultant recently, I saw a paper on, on modeling emerging risk, and they grouped risk into three categories, technological, crystallizing, and aggravating. So again, very different ways uh, which can be potentially confusing. So that sort of sets the scene for the confusing nature, inherent complexity of emerging risk and all the information out there. Um, I think the second part of the challenge is actually bringing all of that thinking in-house. And this is where, personally, um, my challenge started a while ago. Um, and that's essentially trying to figure out the role of the CRO in all of this. You know, we say the board's accountable or your executive is practically uh, responsible to do this stuff, but, but there's, a, there's a function for the risk role to play. Um, but what is that function? And how do you bring emerging risk thinking into the business to the extent that it's not happening or to the extent that it's not as structured as, as it could be um, or organized? And how do you get business buy-in um, to think emerging risk? Because it's another thing. If, if, if this gets sold as another thing for business to think about, they're already running a business here, guys. So uh, we don't have time to think about more stuff and all this governance and et cetera. That's the kind of reaction that you could get in your organization if you don't approach it in the right way. Um, who's got the expertise? So who's going to focus on the emerging risks or the risks that they're developing? And who's going to focus on knowing the ins and outs of the business and bring those two together? So who are the parties that you actually need in the room together? Um, who's going to bring the objective point of view? What current skills do you have in your risk function? Um, do you want to think about this qualitatively, quantitatively? Um, and what's your capabilities in that front? We've all seen many, many presentations on behavioral biases. I don't think it's worth spending three slides on them. They, it's real, and it exists, and we need to have the ability to spot it and actually guide the conversation. I believe, firmly believe that's a role for the risk function to play. Leader versus facilitator. Um, and you may jump to an obvious conclusion, but when you talk about emerging risk in your organization is a key determinant of whether you are a leader or a facilitator in the conversation. If you embed emerging risk conversation in a business strategy conversation, you're not the leader of the conversation. You can guide and ask leading questions. When you decide the right way in your organization is actually to spend workshops thinking about emerging risk per se and not business strategy, then you may be the leader of that conversation. So the answer isn't necessarily as obvious, but you've got to think what works culturally in your organization. Um, are you going to use the same framework to identify and manage and report and do controls and red lights and green lights and et cetera for emerging risk than you do for your general day-to-day -day ERM operational risks in the business? Um, what's your internal reporting going to look like? How do you report on all this stuff? It's complex. There's a lot. Um, how, do you, how are you going to treat or deal with that? I think very importantly, what's the role of the board um, in the emerging risk space? We know what the regulators require us and what the text requires our boards to do, but there's a reality as well. So what is it that your board's going to do? Are you going to give your board outputs from the business? Are you going to engage your board and ask them for inputs? What's that interaction going to look like? Um, how do you make all of this value adding ultimately at the end of the day? And in doing this, how do you meet the requirements of your, of your regulator? And it comes down to, I mean, the, the magical also word that, that, that we're also used to. Um, how do you do all of this in a way that you actually start to address some of the requirements that the, that the regulator is placing on the board of the business? Um, so that's, a, that's a, a whole host of questions. And so sort of taking that problem statement and bringing it, I think, close to home from a hollowed environment. So I've been there for, for three years. Um, the business has been there for 
10, 11 times longer. Um, it's an insurance business, so let's not kid ourselves. It's in the business of managing risk, um, and it's been doing it well over the last 30 odd years. Um, so there's always been elements of emerging risk thinking. We haven't necessarily called it that throughout the organization, but it's always existed. My observation, and as soon as you start to talk to people about it, was that the application of that thinking was inconsistent, maybe a bit haphazard, and sometimes too implicit. It's very difficult to actually communicate to someone and evidence to them, what have I thought about? How wide have I thought to come up with the answer? Did I just come up with the answer because I know my business so well and it feels like the right thing? Or I have considered A, B, and C. And it's a, it's a complex group that, I, that, that, that we operate in. We write both short and long-term business across all the channels that, that we're all familiar with. Um, so there's complexity and different, similar risks impact on the business differently. Um, and so the way of dealing with them is differently. And it becomes very difficult to have a conversation and to communicate with the board ultimately how have we thought about emerging risk? And the reality is we live in an environment where our directors are sitting there and they're saying, guys, we need more comfort. We need more comfort on how you guys are, how you're thinking forward into the future and give us comfort that you have actually applied your minds. So there was broad-based acceptance that we need to do something different. Um, so over the last couple of years, you know, we, we've led a number of initiatives. Uh, some of them were part successful. Some of them have... In hindsight, I'll recognize, I'll, I'll call it out. There's not too many of my colleagues sitting here have failed miserably. Um, but that's okay because we got a conversation of emerging risk started. So conceptually, things that haven't worked is um, our risk and compliance committee said, right, we got to find a way to engage the board on emerging risk in a, in a way, in a more effective way than what we currently are. So what I took to the board is a list of our top risks that they're familiar with, and I took some examples of external reports on what global CEOs are seeing as risks over the next 12 months or so, and gave it to them and said, come back to me in three months' time or three weeks' time and tell me what have we missed, what emerging risks haven't we thought about. So talk about biasing an audience. Um, that result wasn't very satisfactory from a, from a feedback perspective. Um, another thing that we've tried is actually to to do a lot of this thinking in isolation in the risk function. Um, and it's almost like taking an external report and just throwing it at all your business units and say, here's a 10-page report on emerging risk. And honestly, what you get back is, oh, that's great, that's fascinating. But you don't get the follow-through and the application in the business strategy and the embedment of that and the evidence that people are actually thinking about it. So we've tried conceptually a lot of different things. Um, and eventually, we decided to kind of go back to basics keep it simple, find some consistency in the business, and to ultimately ensure a more integrated approach. When I say integrated, I'm talking about integration with business strategy. Um, so, so I think, you know, with that sort of as a, as a preamble, I'd probably go as far to say that um, I think collectively as a, as, a, as a risk, as a group of risk practitioners globally, we, in my view, I think we've, we've kind of lost the plot a bit um, because there's so much information at hand, as I sort of illustrated to you in the first part of this presentation, that we're really struggling to figure out what to do with all of it and what to make sense of it. Um, we read article after article and, and report after report and survey after survey, and 
I mean, make no mistake, information and, and data and new perspectives are absolutely key, and, and I've used a lot of that to actually shape my own thinking. Um, but we seem to be sort of stuck in this conflict of, uh, you know, the traditional conflict of how can we, we can only understand what we can model and model what we can understand, and we're trying to overcomplicate this. Um, and, and I really think that there's, a, there's an opportunity for us as a, as a community of risk practitioners to actually bring some structured thinking and guidance for our businesses um, to, to bring emerging risk into the business. So I took it back to basics in our business, and I said, right, what is it that I want to see? All right. So a big part of my mandate is to, to make sure that our businesses, individually and as a collective, have a business plan and a strategy in place and to implement that in such a way that gives viability and sustainability to the business. Boom. That's it. And in the process, that will deliver to our shareholder, policyholder, regulator objectives. That's really the ultimate objective. So in doing that and plugging and overlaying emerging risk onto that, all I want to see is that somehow our organization thinks, and I've called it identification, it's more than that, but thinks and applies their mind not only on the current business environment or get biased or skewed of what's happened over the last 12 months or be confined to the next 12 months, but actually take a long-term view explicitly and hopefully I can provide a structure and some guidance for them to enable them to do that, to allow them to come up with a business plan and a strategy that is more forward-looking, that allows us to come up with mitigation plans or plan Bs or to future-proof the business, if you like, or to go and disrupt the market. Um, we're all reading about disruptors, but how do you become a disruptor yourself? So simplistically, all of the stuff of emerging risk out there, this is what I want to achieve, and this is what I go back to at this stage. And this picture may become more complex or change over the next six months. I don't mind that. Um, but that's the current blueprint that we're working on. And so the question is, what's the role that I need to play, personally, but also as a risk function, across those three activities? Um, and I think similar to, to what Andres mentioned is what I'm pushing towards um, and what I'm experiencing in the business and to business's delight is letting go of this hard and fast first, second, third line rule. Um, the reality is your risk function, yes, there's certain monitoring and control uh, functions and responsibilities that it needs to play, has to become more involved than what text or legislation may prescribe in isolation and read out of context. And so I think there's a big role, um, a massive role for us to play in the identification process and the thinking process around emerging risk and we have to be part of the strategic business planning conversation. We have to be part of those strategy sessions. We can't just be an afterthought. And, and that's actually what we've managed to implement. And then also to look at mitigation um, and provide some objective challenge. Yes, we don't know your business, business unit A, um, as well as you do. But we've actually seen some stuff in the other four or five business units in what's a very complex group. And therefore, surely there must be some learnings and interactions and, and consistencies across the group. And so even on the mitigation end of it, not necessarily the execution end of it, but the mitigation end or the planning part of it, I believe there's a, there's a very, very valuable role for the, for the CRO um, and the risk function to play. So where we are today. Um, so stuff that we've done over the last 12 months, and I've, I'll share some of that. As we've come up with a definition of emerging risk, and that may not sound massive, but um, I think that was quite important 
in order for us to start to speak the same language in the business. I'm not going to tell you what it is today. Um, we've scanned the universe and we continue to scan the universe for frameworks and, and perspectives, all of this, all of this stuff that, 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 that I sort of alluded to earlier. Um, we've picked a presentational framework and that's actually quite important um, because it was a way for the risk function to communicate with the rest of our Exco community and say, guys, here's the universe of risks as we see them. Some we understand today, some of them we don't understand. Um, and I'll, I'll share that with you in a moment. Um, we've had some very good engagement with the board. Um, and I think most importantly, we have linked our emerging risk thinking into our, into our strategy initiatives that was run by our Exco team and our senior management team to look at a longer-term future for Hollard, a 20-year view or a 10-year view. How do we disrupt? How do we survive this, this, this deluge of change? And so with business having a conversation on how do we, how do we design our business to be future-proof and to disrupt, um, we've managed to, to intertwine our emerging risk thinking into that. Some of it quite sneakily, but we got it in. Um, and I think that was, that was mission accomplished. What are we busy with? Um, we're busy trying to get better at all of that stuff. Um, we're trying to figure out how the process should work to get this thinking on an annual recurring basis. So think of it as part of your Orsha process, if you like. Um, a, get a good consistent way to get emerging risk thinking into your annual budget, budget or strategy planning. Um, the bulk of the work um, that I'll show you some highlights of that we did was at group level, at an aggregate level. And now we're actually doing some very detailed sort of deep dive emerging risks in each of our business units, but it's given us a framework to do that. Um, and then we're also trying to figure out how to report on all this stuff going forward. And that's quite tricky because the how we report will depend on our audience. If it's a business unit exco or board, then it's one level. If it's the, the group exco, it's at a different level. If it's the risk and compliance committee, it's at a different level. And at a board level, it's also at a different level. So the answer is not necessarily as obvious as it seems. So some of the stuff that, we, that we've decided on um, uh, to use. So from a framework in which we can describe our key drivers, um, I've chosen to, to follow the steep analysis or steep classification system. It's one that the World Economic Forum uses. Um, it's also one that um, PwC subscribes to and their mega trend thinking, if you like. So it basically buckets everything under social, technological, economic, environmental, and political. And within that, you get a number of drivers. Um, so as a business, we identify, started off with plenty, over 70, narrowed it down to 20. These are generic examples, by the way. Um, some of them are known trends and more certain. Um, when you look at demographic shifts up to 2050, um, urbanization um, statistics and how they're changing, those are probably more predictable trends that you can almost bank on. And those are the trends that you design strategy on. Um, then there's other trends and changes that you're not so sure about. And those are that you could label emerging risks, if you like, or emerging drivers um, that we use in this, in this classification framework. Then from a, from a, presentational, from a presentational perspective, um, I've mentioned PwC. I nicked this from... E&Y, um, I don't know if Kavi and them are still here, Zimmeri, thank you. Um, I saw it from colleagues of theirs at, at the um, Risk Minds conference earlier this year in Amsterdam. If you ever want to go to a, to a 
really good risk conference. That's the one. Um, maybe not in today's currency, but um, this actually is the model that I use to, to illustrate emerging risk in a landscape to business. Um, so it's kind of small, but it, it, it runs on this sort of horizon on your far left, the far right, uh, eighth, whatever you want to call it, um, is the risks that's imminent. So that's less than one year. So guys, this is happening. We've got a plan for it. Um, and as you plot them here, it's minimal impact, moderate impact, significant impact. Um, there's not an explicit likelihood measurement on this. Um, but as you move along across the horizon to the left, so that's less than one year, one to two years, two to five years, five years plus. Um, it's actually a useful way for business to, for, for you to, to, to demonstrate what are the risks in your horizon. Because I really struggled because there's so many things out there how to actually put this on a page. And for me, this works and it's worked well as a communication tool. So as an example, in your first section there on the right, the less than one year minimal impact could be something like um, rotational load shedding. It's imminent, it's happening, it's in the next 12 months, it's likely to continue. But, you know, hopefully um, it's got a minimal impact on your business, but it's happening. Maybe on the more significant front in the next 12, in the next 12 months could be a complete blackout. It's unlikely, maybe, yes, but it's possible. And that's something that would be on the significant end. And as you move along into the spectrum, the, the stuff out here probably becomes a bit more wacky. Um, where it could be related to solar activity or bio or nanotech or, or significant non-traditional disruptors coming into the market, which is probably closer to the two to five years than, than, than five plus years. Um, but this was actually quite a useful way, and I've sanitized this, but this is more or less each of these placeholders um, represented a risk that we captured in my first cut that I took into the group of a universe of risks that we're facing as, a, as, a, as an organization. And then what we did is we linked those back to the steep drivers that I mentioned earlier. So which of these are social, which are technological, economic, environmental, or political? Um, and it wasn't part of the plan, but actually when you started to isolate, and you can't really see the shading um, in the audience, but as you start to isolate, there's some powerful messages that came out of this story, and this is just a, a, a sort of a generic example. But what we actually found, one of the conclusions is, um, if you look at how the steep drivers are spread in the first two years versus two years and beyond, the key message for our business was really, guys, we've got a very complicated political and economic environment that we need to navigate over the next two years. But in doing that, we can't ignore significant changes in technology, social patterns, and environmental changes two years and beyond in order to future-proof the business. Now suddenly this is not an emerging risk conversation brought to you by your risk management function, control function, who knows nothing about business. This actually becomes quite an insightful business conversation. So this has been a, quite a popular tool for us. We then took this um, and back to our underlying all of our steep drivers, we started to do some scenario planning. Um, and this is, again, this is not emerging risk thinking. This is business strategy planning. Um, so, you know, of the, the five categories, the steep drivers, we identified roughly about 20 key drivers of change. As I mentioned earlier, some of those drivers of change are, you can be pretty sure on them. You know, not absolutely, but some of them are more sure than others. And those are the ones that you bank on and you build a strategy to actually deal with it. For the five or six or seven 
most high-impact and uncertain drivers, you start to build scenarios. And those uncertain drivers start to form descriptors for your horizontal and vertical axes. And you describe, you start to create scenarios. And for each of those scenarios, you have effectively four outcomes. And it could be, on these axes, could be political, political um, the political outcome five years down the line, or the economic outcome, or the, the way um, people buy, in other words, social changes. Um, and for each of those scenarios, you start to, um, you start to effectively come up with mitigation plans. Now, those scenarios, again, this is business strategy based, not emerging risk based. What we then did is we actually said, well, which of our emerging risks in our universe are baked into these scenarios? And we're happy that these are dealt with. We don't have the answer yet, but business is thinking about it, how to future-proof ourselves, how to protect ourselves. For the five or six or seven that's not necessarily baked into these, we need explicit mitigation plans and we need business time to think about it and how we're going to deal with those risks and again so that's the role of our function is actually for for the stuff that's baked into business strategy so as a result of them actually building their strategy they're going to deal with them for the other stuff will be the, the the dog by the ankles and consistently nagging and saying guys what are we doing about this what are we doing about that so that's just a, a bit of an insight. And then something that we've done quite recently, this is an idea that I got on the um, insurance ERM publication website, which is also a great tool, by the way, um, is, and, and this is still work in progress, and again, this is generic, but um, for each of our scenarios, so you take a scenario and you have a, a, a description of a scenario 10 years down the line. Um, it's very difficult to bring it back to how you describe risk in your organization today. So... This is today's view and this is tomorrow's view or 10 years down the line view, whatever timeline. In scenario A, which describes a certain outcome, um, implicit in that is a, is a, is a state from a, from a social, from a steep perspective, technological, economic, environmental, political. Um, and then we link it back and said, this is our level one risk categories in our business. And we said, in that scenario 10 years down the line, we've described that. But which of our risks are going to be most impacted as we define them today? And in this scenario, for example, you can say, well, in today's world, um, the impact of that scenario is on our strategic and on and our technical insurance risks, life and short term. Um, but 10 years down the line in that scenario, we really got to start thinking about how we're going to deal with it from a credit and market risk perspective. And because we've got specific owners in the business who manage those risks, you can actually get their attention and make it real and tie back what is a, a wordy descriptor of a potential outcome 10 years down the line to say, guys in the credit team, have you thought about this and how you're going to deal with this? So it helps us to connect the dots in the organization a bit better. So as much as Andres' presentation was about models, mine's not at all. Um, it is a qualitative conversation. And so I guess just to, to wrap it up, got seven minutes to go. Um, this stuff is complicated, all right? But you've got to be pragmatic about it um, as a function. And I think it's however helpful just to start talking about it. The way that you frame it, the way that you illustrate it a year down the line will be different to how you do it tomorrow. Um, but there's a lot of value um, in just starting to talk about it. We have to recognize behavioral biases in these conversations. People will think you're crazy and shoot you down. Um, but you have to be the objective voice in the room. Um, and you've got to try alternatives to see what works in your organization, given your leadership structures, culture, etc. Um, no one knows business better than business, and remember that. So it's not about me telling my specialist business units on how technological changes are going to change their business. But it's actually, in, 
sharing thoughts and ideas and creating an environment uh, for them to actually come up with the answers. Um, so they need our help to actually define, to scan the universe, to ask the probing question, to come back to them two months down the line, to create a framework for thinking. And then lastly, baked into all of this is that um, your emerging risk thinking um, in isolation is, is a futile exercise. It is, it is absolutely of critical importance that you bake it into your strategy business planning process. Um, if it's an annual process or something that's done every two years or five years, so be it. But it's got to be integrated. Um, and it's important then to present these emerging risks the, to, to facilitate thinking and conclusions through different lenses to your board, to your business units, and everything that falls in between. And then just the last thing on data and analytics. I haven't really covered it. Um, I think at this stage, my thinking is emerging risk as a theme is hard enough to describe, let alone to, to model it. Um, but I do think there is a place for analytics, and we've seen it. Um, but the role for analytics and data and modeling and emerging risk is at a much more granular level. It's a very specific risk that you've identified that you can actually track its emergence through bots uh, as being used, for example, on the internet, social media mining, um, seed thoughts, um, medical papers. You start, you start to see the release of numerous medical papers in the States that talks to uh, the body's resistance or the mutation of certain illnesses, and suddenly that may be an indication of an emerging risk in a certain part of the country, whatever the case may be. So I think there's a lot to learn from it, but it has to be um, quite um, sort of narrow and, and detailed and specific, uh, topical. Um, and I think there's a lot to learn from other industries, military and intelligence agencies, not necessarily locally, but I think there's a good, good examples <laughs> In, uh, in Britain and the States, and some spectacular failures, by the way. Um, so it's still very early days, but don't discard analytics and data in your understanding of emerging risk. And um, there's four minutes left, that's it, and hope that was helpful. So.